uh, we, this is where we stopped last time, looking at, uh, at turtles. Uh, turtles really are, are quite common around here. Uh, if they start watching out here soon, they'll be, uh, you'll see them in the roads because they're, they're my, uh, males are migrating from one area to another commonly, or females are moving from one area to another to lay eggs. They're looking for the proper kind of soil uh, to lay their eggs in. Uh, and we have a lot of turtles here. So just, just be careful, uh, you know, keep your eyes open. Um, some people actually stop and pick them up and move them across the road. And then there's other people I've seen deliberately try to run them over, which is just really, that's, that's no accounting for some people, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you're going to see a lot of them. And these are all fairly common ones here that you see around here. Uh, the the, uh, the terrapins are, uh, as I mentioned last time, these are uh, in it, a, a uh, protected species. You're not allowed to collect them or to keep them as pets or, or, or any of that, not legally anyway, uh, in, in Virginia. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, I think it's a state turtle. I don't know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, for this area here and in Maryland and, 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 and that, it's a recognized species. Uh, then there's, because uh, we're in the uh, uh, class uh, Reptilia, and so we have lizards, snakes, tuatars, uh, not really an issue here. Uh, they are only two living species that live in uh, near New Zealand. But uh, lizards and snakes quite, uh, make up the largest number of reptiles, um, even though they're not always as visible as the others. Uh, you. Uh, you know, generally, they they hide very well. Uh, you don't see there's snakes around all the time. You just don't see them. Uh, they uh, they they don't want to be seen. And, I mean, that's, uh, snakes are for the most part very uh, more afraid. Uh, for some, it may be hard to believe, but they're a lot more afraid of you than you are of them. Uh, if you just leave them alone, they will just leave you alone. Uh, they you know I mean, what would they do if they caught you? you know? big to be food or anything so the only reason they ever bite is out of self-defense so if you just leave them alone you don't have much trouble with it okay so these are just some examples of uh, some, this is common uh, garter snake or some people call them garter snakes but garter snakes uh, they're uh, they're fairly common around here um, they don't get very large maybe uh, probably maximum maybe a foot and a half long something like that maybe two feet they're not long-lived um, this is an emerald tree boa that's a tropical version. Komodo dragons, uh, and then this is desert. Uh, so lizards uh, around here are quite common. Uh, almost everywhere I have been, and in fact right here in front of this building sometimes, I see the little skinks, the, the three-lined skinks. Have, that when they're young, they have blue tails. I've seen them at the front entrance. They, they scoot back underneath the, uh, the, the, the sheathing there at the front entrance. Uh, I've seen them out around there. Uh, they're they're kind of everywhere. They're, I know we have them all over in our yard. Uh, uh, but you know, you know, you have to be any kind of disturbance and they're gonna go for cover. Uh, they, don't, they don't stay out because a lot of things eat them. Okay? Birds eat them, you know. Uh, cats will kill them if they can get them. Of course, cats will kill most anything that moves if they can get to it kind of the nature of cats. Um, but anyhow, so lizards and, uh, and snakes is another group. 
Uh, I'm not going to do the video right now. If we have time, I'll make them back to this. Uh, again, here, local uh, snake. And then, of course, we have crocodilians. Um, people are pretty fascinated by them. Uh, I probably wouldn't try that right there. Well, that's asking for trouble, <laughs> but um, they are one of the few species out there that eats people on occasion. Uh, mostly it's saltwater crocodiles uh, that do that. Um, alligators uh, are very common in, in, uh, in the Americas, uh, They, uh, especially down in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, alligators are, are found in all of those areas, uh, Louisiana. Mississippi, you know, all across that area, um, and, uh, and and they uh, kind of lose their fear of people sometimes because they're you know they live close to people. My sister used to live in Florida, and they had a couple of uh, uh, ponds for runoff when it rained, and every now and then they'd find an alligator in one of them, and they were quite happy in there. Uh, the only problem was that uh, then you had to be careful with pets because they you know they will. You know, they'll take whatever they can find, okay? Dogs, cats, you know, they're not picky. Uh, they eat pretty much anything. And occasionally they come calling as the one there. That's an actual photo of some house down in Florida. An uh, alligator came right up to the door. I have no idea why. <laughs> uh, uh, caimans are uh, found in South America. They're, they're a similar type of animal, but they, they don't get quite as large. Uh, they're mostly in South America. Uh, and, and in the Amazon area, there are lots of caimans. Uh, there's different species, several different species of them. And then gharials are found in India. That's the one on the bottom over there. Uh, they are fish eaters, and if you look at their their mouths are very narrow, lots of teeth, and it's for snagging fish. That's what they do. It's what they feed on. They don't bother people particularly. Uh, so uh, these are the uh, closest group to birds. Okay, so uh, birds are thought to be the uh, survivors of the dinosaurs, basically, uh, closely related to dinosaurs, which of course are no longer here. Uh, we keep finding more and more about them. I was thing on yesterday about they, they think they found a fossilized T-Rex that had eggs, I think. It was not, they said, quote, pregnant, unquote. Of course, they didn't do live birth, so. Um, at least as far as we know. So, but have, have, with eggs actually in it, uh, they have found nests of dinosaur eggs in, in places. So some of them obviously nested and and perhaps defended their their eggs. You know, we don't really know because there was nobody there to see that. A pretty interesting group. Okay, alligators and crocodiles are similar. Crocodiles have a more pointed snout. Uh, they're uh, also, the, their teeth will actually be more visible than with the, the alligators. You don't have to worry about crocodiles here, although there are a few cro actual crocodiles in, in North America down there, but it's almost all alligators that we, we have here. Uh, uh, they can get quite large. Uh, used to be able to, uh, people used to sell babies, you know, for people to keep, and of course they're, they're cute when they're about this big, you know. I, then they're going to grow. <laughs> yeah. And then they're not so cute later on. It's like some of the lizards that you can buy in the pet stores. They're really cute. They're only about this big and they run around. Some of them will get this big. And, you know, what are you going to do with them then? You know, this is a problem. Uh, 
you know, snakes are the same way that, that people keep. This is why we have a, a major problem in Florida now with uh, uh, pythons, reticulated pythons that have uh, thought to have been released, you know, put out in the wild by people that they got too big, they didn't want them anymore, and now they are a, a, a real major problem in, in the Everglades. Uh, and they actually go out and they sponsor hunts for them to go out and and they, you know, they found some as long as this table. You know, if it's two tables together out there, uh, that's capable of uh, killing a person. So they, uh, you know, letting pets go in the wild is ne ne never a good idea. Because they have no predators there. Uh, the climate's good. They, they obviously are reproducing. They're doing, doing very well. Uh, we're just not so happy that they're doing so well. Okay, um, if you're interested in local amphibians and uh, reptiles, um, let me just very quickly here go to a, uh, uh, there's a, uh, a website that, uh, is on amphibians and reptiles of North Carolina. Um, it's really quite accurate for us here because uh, here on the coastal plain area of uh, Virginia is not much different than what most of what you find in North Carolina. And so if you have any interest, uh, you can look up on, on all of those uh, and uh, see what's what's around all the different types of lizards, frogs, and so on, salamanders, uh, yes, even alligators. Uh, so they are alligators have found in this area of North Carolina. Uh, we think of them as being far away from here, but they're not that far away. Okay, uh, they come up almost to the Virginia line, not quite yet. Uh, the rangers at the uh, Dismal Swamp say that they, in the North Carolina portion of the Dismal Swamp, they have seen small alligators, but not, none of breeding size or anything. But as uh, if we do continue to see a warming trend, um, they're going to move farther north. It's cold that keeps them from coming farther. So, but really good website uh, if you are interested. There's also um, another website if you are interested in these is Virginia Herpetology. Yeah, Virginia Herpetology Society. Uh, they Obviously, people who are interested in these uh, you know, reporting on, on box turtles because that's a, a bit of a, that's a major issue. Um, but they have uh, uh, a uh, website here, an area that you can look up all the different ones here. So if you wanted to know about uh, uh, you know, various, uh, they have a snake identification key, how to determine if they're uh, So obviously you have to get close enough to see them. Uh, if they have vertical pupils, then there is a possibility it's a poisonous snake. If they're round, then they're not going to be poisonous. Uh, so then you can go here and start looking at some of the, the harmless uh, snakes that are in the area. So there's a lot here. There's a snakes of Virginia section. Uh, those that are, are venomous snake information, things that look like <coughs> 
venomous snakes, but really aren't. Uh, there are a lot of things that people think are copperheads or they think that they are cottonmouth, and they're not really. Uh, for instance, around here I've seen frequently, uh, there's a northern water snake you'll find in little streams, sometimes in culverts. Uh, they look a lot, they're all black, all dark colored. People think they're cottonmouths, but they're not. They're just harmless water snakes, but people kill them because they don't know what they are. Right? A lot of people, their first instinct when they see a snake is to kill it. Okay? Uh, really don't need to do that. Uh, they, uh, again, if you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. So, but anyway, if you're interested in that, a couple of good, really good websites that you can find out uh, about local local uh, animal. Okay, so moving on from that, uh, move on to the next group, which are the birds. Um, there are more, uh, it is the most diverse group of, of tetrapods, uh, even though they don't use uh, they only have two legs, their wings are modified legs, or modified arms, uh, and uh, they are endothermic like we are. They're able to regulate their body temperature internally with their metabolism. Most of uh, the reptiles and amphibians cannot do that, which is why you see snakes out sunning or turtles out sunning. They're warming themselves up, and if it gets too hot, they go in the shade. Okay, years ago, I took a class out, and it was a botany class out in Colorado, uh, Lance of Colorado. We were out in the sagebrush uh, plains, you know, the prairie area, hot afternoon, and uh, one of the groups found a, a rattlesnake. It was curled up underneath a sagebrush bush in the shade, and it wasn't coming out. It didn't matter what you did, it was staying in the shade, okay, because it couldn't, it couldn't survive out in the heat. You know, they, you know, we just kind of walked around. He didn't even pay any attention to us. As long as we didn't mess with him, he wasn't going to mess with us. He's just sitting there in the shade, trying to stay cool, as cool as he can, or she, whichever. Okay, uh, they have feathers. That's the the, the uh, define one of the defining characteristics of birds is that they have feathers. Uh, the origin of feathers is still uncertain. We know know that there are fossilized dinosaur-like animals that had feathers. Um, so the uh, current philosophy is that the feathers were initially there as a way of staying warm uh, for, for temperature regulation uh, because uh, feathers make an excellent temperature regulating uh, uh, covering. Uh, and then later on, they became adapted to flight, uh, but uh, we don't really know that. Um, birds still have scales on their legs, just like reptiles do. Uh, if you ever, you know, look a, a close up at a bird or uh, anybody in here is into eating chicken feet and things like that you know that's that's common in, in Asia people cook chicken feet and uh, things like that and they have a cloaca like the reptiles so common opening for both reproductive and uh, in the urinary and uh, digestive tracts okay so only one single opening Okay, so four-chambered heart, so they're adapted for flight, obviously, although there are some that do not fly. Um, ostriches, you know, is one good example. They don't fly, but they can run darn fast, and they can kick, okay? Um, they, an adult ostrich is really has no enemies other than humans. 
Uh, even lions do not mess with an ostrich because you can get hurt that way. And out in the you know wild animals, they get hurt, then they become they become prey. You know, even lions can uh, in that. Okay, so they have a, a really efficient respiratory system. Uh, for us, for instance, every time you take a breath in, your lungs are not empty of air after you exhale. Okay, there's still air in there. They don't collapse. There's still air in your lungs. So when you inhale, all the fresh air you bring in is mixing with that old stale air that does, that's relatively low in oxygen anymore. Uh, and so, uh, and then of course you exhale, you get rid of most of that old air, and then you inhale, and it mixes again. Now what birds do is uh, they have kind of a flow-through system. Um, they actually have hollow areas in the bones, and so as they inhale, that old air goes back up into the bones, and their lungs are completely filled with fresh air. Okay, flight is an extremely energy-intensive process, uh, and, uh, and and they need to extract the maximum energy they can, and so this helps them. This, this efficiency in their respiratory tract gives them more oxygen, uh, which is what you need to make more ATP, which is what you got to have a lot of in order to fly. Drives the flight muscle. Uh, their bones have air spaces, makes them very light. Uh, uh, bird skeletons weigh—they're uh, very, very light. Uh, and uh, that, again, an adaptation for flight. You know, the lighter you are, the, the easier it is to fly. And then their flight muscles are attached to the keel. You can kind of see that in the diagram. These are very strong muscles attached right here. This is called the keel right here. This is where the flight muscles attach. You've all seen that on the turkey. Now, if you if you ever cooked a turkey at Thanksgiving, you got it laying there, breast up. You slice off that white meat, and underneath is that keel bone. Of course, most modern uh, commercially raised turkeys can't fly for the most part; they weigh too much. Um, uh, but wild turkeys fly just fine. Okay, and we have quite a lot of those here in Virginia. Uh, wild turkeys are doing quite well in many states uh, as far as they're hunted. Uh, they're not easy to, to hunt. So I, I've seen wild turkeys around here quite a few times, uh, usually in small groups after the, after the eggs have hatched in the spring. Uh, the young run around with the, the male or the adults and you'll see. And then as they get older, they stay as a group. They often uh, go around as flocks, small flocks. Uh, and so, uh, but very, very powerful muscles to, to pick that bird up off the ground and get it in the air. Okay, that uh, takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of power. Uh, they have two kinds of feathers. Um, they have the down feathers, which are very soft and fluffy underneath. And then they have their flight feathers over the top of that, which give them the streamlined appearance. Also are generally waterproofed. Uh, the down feathers keep them warm. They can fluff that to stay warmer when it's cold. They can, again, around here, the birds to stay here all winter on a cold day in the winter. They, they look like little fluff balls, okay? And what they're doing is fluffing up that down to, for, for insulation uh, to protect themselves from the cold. Uh, at this time of year now, they will be very trim looking because they don't need to be doing that anymore, okay? So you'll, they'll, they'll, look, they'll be the same birds, uh, but they're gonna look very different at this point, okay? Because of that. So two different basic types of feathers. The flight feathers are uh, generally uh, changed out every year. They molt. Some birds molt a, a couple feathers at a time and replace them. 
there are some species that basically lose most of their flight feathers, uh, and then they, for maybe a period of time, they can't fly until their new ones are, are grown out. These are some of the common local birds. Uh, goldfinches are a lot of uh, really interesting. They're very small, but they're quite colorful. They like to eat uh, seeds uh, from uh, uh, you know, seed heads after the flowers. I used to have uh, some a little wildflower garden in my old house because I had a lot of sunshine. Uh, and they'd be down in there in the late summer and early fall. You'd drive into the driveway and it was like flecks of gold coming out of there. There'd be a whole bunch of them coming out of there as we disturbed them. Uh, bluebirds, um, somewhat endangered but still all around. I've seen bluebirds here at the campus. Uh, they, uh, if you go out the front door, uh, you'll see a couple of a couple of places of these like stakes in the ground. I don't know what they're there for, and it, it's not uncommon to see a bluebird sitting on one of those. And then what they do is they sit there and they they watch for insects, and then when they see them, they fly out and grab them, and then they come back. Uh, it's called hawking, hawking behavior. And I'm not sure what the one up above is. It looks like a, uh, a sparrow of some kind. But we have lots, we have lots of, of, of birds around this area. And of course, we have predatory birds, uh, bald eagles. <laughs> uh, bald eagles are, <coughs> are have become common enough around here that it's not a major big deal when you see one anymore. It used to be, uh, but now there are a lot of bald eagles around here. Uh, if you just kind of keep your eyes open over along the James or over along the York River, you will see eagles. Okay, they're they're here, uh, and there's fairly good numbers of them now. Uh, across the uh, the ferry over to uh, to uh, the Jamestown ferry there, and came actually we were coming back to this side, and a couple of the boys out there along the route, the ferry route, bald eagles just sitting right there on the boy, right, and, you know, because uh, they are primarily fishing birds. That's what they eat. They are primarily fish, but they will eat other things. They will eat carrion. Which is why some people, you know, think, well, yeah. So our national symbol is a carrion eater. Okay, and and they really do that. Uh, my wife was driving down 199 one day. There was a dead animal on the side of the road. She was a ways off, but she could see it there. Eagle swooped down, grabbed it, flew off with it. They'll eat whatever they can find. Uh, one up in the upper right is a peregrine. They eat other birds mostly. Um, they, uh, they're. They, they'll pick them right out of the air. They don't have to be on the ground. They, they are highly maneuverable. If you go to uh, New York City, you will see peregrines. Uh, they uh, nest up on the high buildings, on ledges, and some places people have built places where they can nest. And uh, they've got a ready-made food supply. There are pigeons all over the place, and they, they hunt pigeons. Um, and they do, they do quite well in New York. Uh, they, don't, uh, they normally like to nest up in the high cliff areas, and there's lots of buildings there. And, and, uh, and of course, uh, the, the, if you go up into the Arctic, you can see the, the uh, what are called deer falcons. Uh, they're pretty rare. Uh, you don't see them down here. Okay. So lots of predatory birds as well. Um, got a couple of uh, videos here. Speed flight. 
she's going, even as she warms up, <coughs> swooping back and forth, attracted to burn Pamela Lawrence's yellow nerve. Well, this is a trained People have trained birds of prey for centuries. Wings that are stretched to gain height one moment, the next are suddenly tucked away as a peregrine slips round in a stoop for her party piece. A 150-mile-an-hour nosedive strikes at the ground. Then, seconds before impact, the wings swing out again to pull a brain-numbing 10 G's bottom turn that would cause a mere human to fly. This is only play. And just look how quick these wing movements really are. This time, a split-second barrel roll keeps the target in the sweet spot of her vision, without the need to turn her head. At this speed, even a head turn would settle quietly out of control. Every little nuance counts when you're on the edge of what's possible. we have birds that are not fast and strong. I mean, they're strong <coughs> flyers in one sense. masters of gliding. They, uh, some of these will be at sea for weeks, never landing as, as they hunt. Very little effort. The reason they fly down close to the waves is you get down close, you get you compress air against the water, which pushes up, gives them lift. 
Sometimes they almost look like they're disappearing behind the... These are large birds. Wingspan's probably about like this. live on Pacific Islands. Um, that's where they nest. They go out to sea, they hunt. Uh, when they come back, uh, if they have chicks, they uh, basically vomit their food back up for the chicks to eat. His Obviously, can hover, they can fly backwards, uh, but this is a tremendous energy drain. They have to eat, they have to eat every day, or they will die. Skip the hand feeding or the hummingbird. Uh, so, uh, 
just want to give you a, you know, a look at some of the different uh, birds. Birds are a very important part of the uh, ecosystems. Many of them uh, eat insects. Um, quite a few of them eat insects. Uh, uh, and even when they don't eat insects all year round, uh, usually when, they have, when they're nesting, they will eat insects because of the high protein value of insects. Uh, and, and not just insects, spiders, uh, insects. Uh, they, uh, you know, they, they eat a lot. Of, they eat caterpillars. They eat all, they eat all kinds of, of things. Uh, they're really an important part of, of the ecosystem. And uh, right about now, we'll start seeing uh, the, the ones that uh, the migrants coming through. Uh, a few of the ones that were here over the winter will head north, and then we have a lot that just stay here all year round. They don't go anywhere. The cardinals, uh, the uh, tip mice, the uh, uh, nut uh, hatches, and, and chickadees, and the wrens, they, they pretty much hang around here all year round. They don't generally go anywhere. The blackbird flocks that you've seen, if you've had them around your house, they're making all that racket, and uh, they'll be breaking up because they'll be pairing off to nest now. So pretty soon they'll be breaking up. Those are usually mixed flocks. They have more than one species in them. There's red-winged blackbirds in there. There's grackles. There's starlings. Uh, they tend to mix together during the winter. Uh, OK, so birds are uh, an uh, important animal. And then we come to mammals, uh, which, of course, we're always interested in because we are one. Uh, okay, so here are the distinctive characteristics of mammals. Uh, hair, obviously. Even whales have some little stubby hair on them. Uh, and so hair is, a, is not found on any other organism, okay? Only mammals. Uh, mammals tend to have very distinctive teeth. Uh, and, and usually from the teeth, you can determine what their major diet is. Uh, if, um, for instance, uh, if you look at a cow or a horse or something like that, they, they have some front incisors for cutting you know, the, uh, the grass as they pick it up, and then all the rest of their teeth are, are like molders. They grind uh, that, that down. Um, if you have a cat, look, if, and you ever look in your cat's mouth, you'll notice there are no molars in a cat's mouth. All of the teeth are sharp. Cats don't eat grains, okay? They don't eat grass. Well, they will on occasion, but uh, that's not the major part of their diet. They are, they're primarily uh, carnivores, and so they have, they have different kind of teeth. We have a little bit of everything because we eat anything. Or the humans, you know, you name it, humans are eating it somewhere. It doesn't really much matter what it is. And so we have a very generalized set of teeth uh, that do a, a little bit of everything. So, but very distinctive teeth. Uh, brain is more highly developed in mammals than in any other uh, species, at least in our uh, prejudiced view, that's the case. Uh, now, I'm not sure about what maybe some the squids uh, might give us a run for our money. Um, and generally have extended care for their young. Uh, young are not usually uh, able to care for themselves completely right at birth and have some extended time period. And of course, as you get into animals that are more and more complex, like, like humans or some of the other primates, uh, that uh, care of the young is extended into years, uh, as opposed to some, some animals, it's like, well, maybe a few months. Like the deer around here, okay? Be giving, uh, they'll be dropping bonds pretty soon now, if they haven't already started. and. Uh, the fawn will stay with the mother through the summer and probably maybe into the winter, and then they're on their own after that, uh, assuming they survive, of course. 
Okay, so these are very uh, distinct characteristics of mammals. There are three groups of mammals that exist. Um, we have monotremes. Monotremes are egg-laying mammals. They, they still lay eggs. Right? So, uh, kind of obviously a connection to our evolutionary history. Uh, there are three species that still exist. They're all in Australia. Um, the, uh, the platypus, of course, which uh, when they were first uh, uh, first stuffed platypus was sent back to England, everybody laughed and said, you know, who's, who took parts of all these animals and sewed it together? It's not a real animal. But, of course, it is. Um, their young are born very tiny, hairless. <clears throat> the female does provide milk. That's another characteristic of mammals. We provide milk for our young. Okay, or the mother does, okay. Uh, the monotremes do not have nipples. They simply, the milk comes out of glands and the hair on the chest, and the young simply suck the milk off the hair on the chest of the, but they still provide milk, okay. Uh, the spiny echidna is another one, that's the one down there at the bottom, it's an, uh, an insectivore, it eats primarily ants, is, it's a monotreme. And not a lot of those species are left. It's, uh, it's not as effective a, ma uh, a means of reproduction as, uh, as the other groups. So it's pretty much replaced. Australia is, seems to be the home of a lot of animals. That, well, Australia has been isolated. It's been more recently colonized by humans and bringing our, our, our placental man with us. Uh, marsupials, there's about, uh, as you can see, 260 species. Almost all of them are native to Australia and the islands around Australia. Uh, the only ones found in North America are opossums. Opossums are marsupials. Now, marsupials, the young are born uh, a, a, a very, very, uh, they're not even finished their embryonic development yet. They don't even have individual fingers yet. They still have webbing between the, those. Uh, and most of them are about this big when they're born. They're hairless, blind. And what they have to do is crawl from the birth canal into the pouch. Once in the pouch, they will grab onto a nipple, and then the nipple swells in their mouth so that they are you know, carried that way. And, uh, and, that's how, and then they finish their embryonic development inside the pouch. Now, for the monotremes, they finish their development just out, okay, uh, in, in the nest uh, or wherever they're being kept. So the marsupials step farther. There's a definite pouch structure that they go into, and that's where they finish their embryonic development. Um, the, uh, it's, it's obviously uh, an effective method. I mean, possums are really quite common around here. Um, and, you know, and it's, there's certainly the roadkill, but there's also um, there's a lot of live possums around. I, we have a couple that we see around our house almost every night. Uh, they, you know, they get fairly large. They generally have a lifespan of about two to three years. They don't live long, assuming they don't uh, get run into a car or, or, or vice versa, actually. Um, but quite common. Now, down in Australia, there are many species. Uh, of course, kangaroos, uh, koalas, wombats. This is a possum here. Possums are actually, baby possums are just, like all little baby animals, they're just the cutest little things, you know, but of course they grow up to be 
hissing uh, mouths full of sharp teeth when they get older. I don't know if you've ever been close to a possum. Um, they, they know how to protect themselves. And then when that fails, then they play dead. Most carnivores, most, most predators, are not, uh, do not eat dead food. They don't eat things that are dead. And so playing dead is, a, is a, uh, something that is found th throughout the animal kingdom. There are snakes that play dead. There are uh, frogs or you know, toads that play dead. There are mammals that play dead. Uh, because most of your predators do not eat carrion. Okay? And so if you play dead, then the hope is they will think you really are dead and they'll leave. Now, uh, some uh, predators, of course, do eat carrion, and then obviously this does not work so well. Okay? And it really doesn't work when the headlights of a car. Okay? Just, you play dead all you want, it's not going to help you any there. Uh, but it's one of their, the ways that they defend themselves. And as you can see from the number of possums around here, it's clearly very successful. Pardon? Uh, this one? That's a wombat. I always love that name, wombat. It just seems like a cool name. Uh, this is a Tasmanian devil, which are an endangered species anymore on the uh, island of Tasmania. Hello. What can we do for you? Uh, okay, so Tasmanian devils, uh, they are predators, as you might guess from the, the picture, um, but their uh, numbers are declining. Of course, their behavior, you know, that's, there's the, the cartoon version of that. Uh, they are known to be very aggressive animals. That's what kind of drove the cartoon version. They don't whirl around. Okay, uh, then we have the placental mammals. Okay, now placental mammals, uh, the young are developed uh, internally inside the uh, uterus, and they attach to the mother by means of a placenta where the nutrients and waste products are exchanged with the mother's circulatory system. Um, <coughs> And so the, the placenta is composed of both uh, maternal and fetal tissue. They're kind of interdigitated like this, and things can diffuse through the, across the membranes, and that's how the uh, young receive their nourishment. Uh, they tend to develop more quickly than marsupials, uh, but, uh, and it is the most common method. Most mammals are placental mammals, uh, the largest number. And here's just a few examples, uh, most of which you would recognize. Uh, I always have been curious why they don't have chipmunks here. You go a little bit farther west and chipmunks are kind of everywhere. There's hordes of them, but um, not around here. I don't see chipmunks around here. Uh, uh, we do have a, a plethora of squirrels, however, uh, anywhere there's uh, any trees. Um, and uh, so you have uh, the uh, the only uh, flying mammal are bats. We have bats around here. Uh, if you uh, go out at dusk, particularly along the road, you look up where there's a clear area in the trees, and uh, you'll see bats flying back and forth. And they're, they're eating insects. 
They eat mosquitoes, they eat moths, they eat whatever is out there. Uh, really handy critters to have around. Uh, should be encouraged. Uh, uh, wolves, uh, it's the only fine mammal are bats. It's the only uh, species of mammal. There. Uh, there's several species of them. It's the only group that flies. Uh, bears, you don't really want to run into uh, because they're big enough to do, do harm to you and, and will on occasion. Uh, flying squirrels, uh, we have those around here. I've seen them in this area. They're very small, about this big. They're very tiny guys. They glide. They don't actually fly, but they'll glide. Uh, manatees, we obviously don't have here. Uh, and this just happened to be our cat who was sunning herself. So made a nice, made a good picture. So, uh, so bats, uh, very effective predators. Uh, and they uh, they have uh, eat, around here. You're only going to see them eating insects. In the tropics, there are frog-eating bats. They actually pick frogs right off the surface of the water, uh, and, and that's what they eat. Uh, there are, of course, the, the infamous vampire bat, uh, which doesn't suck you dry or anything like that. But what they do is they they will find sleeping animals, and they'll nick at the uh, area usually around there on their legs, and then they simply lap up. Blood that oozes out of them, and they have a in, in their saliva. They have a, uh, a, a essentially a painkiller, so that you don't feel anything, and it's an uh, anticoagulant, so that they can do that. Okay, so uh, it's one picture of bats hunting or one video. Mountains of the Yorkshire is a good place to watch hunting bats in action, including one of the most common. Very maneuverable. Old stone bridges are favorite routes. The water map chirps aren't exactly subtle, and 110 decibels makes more racket than a river But like us, most of the insects it hunts can't hear.
Frogs in the tropics do exactly the same thing, only they're having frogs. I mean, they may be gardens. A very different bat sets out to look for food. Brown long-eared bats use a different strategy from most bats. Instead of shouting, they whisper. This means they get fainter echoes back, so they need massive ears to compensate. A long-eared bat's ears are so sensitive, they can pick up wing vibrations from a moth perched on a leaf. Another bug bites the dust, dispatched by bat technology. Now, bats are pretty interesting. Uh, then we can move on into the uh, primates. Um, basically, uh, primates are uh, uh, close to us in the uh, evolutionary history. Uh, you will find that there are uh, two major groups of, of uh, primates. There's old world and new world, particularly with monkeys, and they are quite different from each other. Uh, you generally don't find uh, ones with prehensile tails are rare in, uh, you don't find in Africa or in, in that side of the, in Asia, but you do find in, in uh, tropical America. Uh, and of course, gorillas, uh, we all heard about gorillas. Uh, and bonobos are very chimpanzee-like there, but it's thought that they're even closer to us than the chimpanzees. Uh, these are, the skeletons clearly are different because they have different musculature, they have a different lifestyles. But they have mostly all the same bones. They're just thicker and heavier. Uh, we, uh, one of the things that is unique to uh, primates is uh, opposable thumbs, being able to grip things very gently and with precision. That, you know, that's when you're, like when you're writing, that's your thumb and fingers. Or we have what's known as the power grip, where you just grab with the whole hand. We, we can do either one. Uh, some of the other animals that have finger-like, uh, have uh, hands, uh, can do the power grip, but they don't have the precision uh, grip. That's something that's unique to uh, most of the primates. Uh, this is a, a look at some of uh, the uh, fossilized uh, remains of, uh, well, we, we think our uh, Pre-humans, pre-human, that's probably not the right word, uh, but uh, on the line that gave rise to homo sapiens, to people who are, exist today, uh, you can see the age of many of these, um, and you can see that the skulls not really, uh, really look different than ours, uh, uh, except for uh, A. africanus, which looks very modern in, in terms of the skull. Uh, but you can get a, get a look at the, some of the different, uh, and we keep finding new fossils on a regular basis. Just this year they found a uh, new set of fossils in South Africa of fossil humans. You know. uh, so our knowledge of that keeps growing, it shows what went on. Uh, so these are, again, a couple of early humans. So now we're getting into the uh, genus Homo, which is what we are. 
this is just a guess of what it might have been like. Nobody really knows. Uh, and here you can, so this has, uh, on, on the way to, to uh, Homo sapiens, this is kind of where some of these others uh, are placed. Um, none of them uh, exist today. They all were dead ends, ultimately. Uh, that doesn't mean they weren't very successful for a period of time, but they didn't lead on to anything. We're not entirely sure which one led to Homo erectus, which is kind of the, the one that we believe gave rise to both to Homo sapiens. <coughs> Neanderthals uh, appeared, we don't not, not sure exactly where to put them. Not, nobody's entirely sure why they disappeared when they did. Um, there, it was thought that uh, Cro-Magnon man, which is pretty much like Homo, like us, if you saw one of them on the street, you wouldn't notice particularly the difference. Um, uh, there's competing ideas of what happened, that maybe they, they hunted the Neanderthals to extinction. That seems to, not, to be dying out. And it's thought that perhaps they were just better able to survive, and the Neanderthals simply couldn't compete uh, and died out over a long period of time. There's also uh, pretty much today uh, doing some DNA comparisons. It would appear there was a certain amount of interbreeding with Neanderthals. Because there, if you take Neanderthal DNA out of a Neanderthal uh, fossil skeleton and compare it to modern uh, European DNA, there are some identical parts, which it would imply that there that we all have probably some Neanderthal <coughs> DNA in us. Does it matter? No, not really. I mean, it's DNA, DNA is DNA. It, it codes for genes, and the genes do what they're supposed to do. It doesn't really matter where it came from, as long as it works. Okay. Now, all of this um, that you see here. Uh, all of these are, except for a couple of exceptions, uh, like Neanderthals, these are all found in Africa. The current theory is that uh, the human race uh, began in Africa, and that over successive <laughs> waves moved out of Africa and through uh, into Asia Minor, up into Europe, across Asia, and eventually into the Americas. Uh, but, uh, Africa is the origin of, of the human race. And again, just some more. Comparisons. Okay, this is uh, Neanderthal, Homo erectus. This is a modern uh, the Maasai, who actually are quite tall uh, Africans. But you can see that the skeletons, other than the length of the bones, are virtually identical. Okay. So, uh, that, that takes us up through all the different groups of animals. Now, what you want to focus on, and I'll, I'll put the questions up, but what is unique about each of the groups? How do, how do you know that it belongs, that it should be a, uh, a bird or a reptile or an amphibian or a hagfish or what's, what is a, you know, a, a chondrichthys versus osteichthys? How do you know which group? What are those characteristics? You did that in lab. Okay, remember you, you made a uh, dichotomous key in lab with all of that. So you have had some exposure there. We've gone over it again here. Now, I want to get started uh, briefly today on uh, plants. I don't know if this is the right chapter number, I didn't check. Uh, but it's plant nutrition and transport. 
what we want to look at. And, and we do a little bit on plants. Plants are never anybody's favorite topic in, in bio, bio, general biology. But plants are really important because without plants, there won't be any animals. Okay, uh, they are critical to our, our to our survival, and uh, all of your food comes ultimately from plants, either directly or indirectly. <clears throat> we, we need to be concerned about plants and how how they function. So, uh, so let's talk about soil to start with, because we know that plants grow roots into the soil. So one of the things, of course, that does is it anchors the plant. But that's not the primary function. The primary function is to grow down into the soil because that's where the water and the nutrient minerals are. And if a plant's going to grow, if it's going to manufacture its own food, so to speak, it needs to have those nutrients in order to use them to make that. The only place it's going to get them is out of the soil. And so roots grow down into the soil to have access to both water and nutrients. Now, uh, almost all of the nutrients a plant uses come directly from the soil. Uh, the only thing that it uses out of the air is carbon dioxide for, as its carbon source. Okay. All the rest come directly from, from the soil. Now, soil, therefore, is important, and particularly if you're trying to grow crops um, or you're just trying to plant anything. Um, so, so a nutrient basically is, is any element that's essential for an organism to survive. Uh, and that means that there, there's no suitable substitute. You've got to have that one. Okay? There's no substitute for carbon. There's no substitute for nitrogen. There's no substitute for phosphorus. No substitute for sulfur. These are all essential nutrients for living things, and including plants. And uh, you don't need to memorize the table, but it gives you an idea of uh, if you look at a plant, 45% of it is going to be carbon, 45% oxygen, and you get the, the hydrogen. This makes up the bulk, and, and that's because your macromolecules, and you probably don't remember those from 101, uh, the carbohydrates, the, pro the, the proteins, or the amino acids that make up proteins, the lipids, are all primarily carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. That's the primary uh, elemental makeup. Now, some of them have nitrogen added, which is why nitrogen is next on the list. Calcium's important for a lot of reasons. Okay, um, potassium. Uh, in plants, it uh, controls opening and closing of stomata. Uh, the calcium's important in, in plants. Cell wall uh, makeup. Okay, and you can see the whole list of things now. The ones up above are called macronutrients because they're needed in relatively large amounts. Okay, um, some of them get fairly small, but relatively large. These are micronutrients, which are a very, very small amount used, and so they, they just simply divide them. And, and we have all of these as well. Okay, in fact, plants are where you get them from, or from animals that ate plants. It's all the same thing. So macronutrients, either in relatively large quantities, micronutrients usually in very small quantities. Most of the time, micronutrients act as uh, cofactors or coenzymes, uh, cyst enzymes. Okay, so four components in soil. I don't know how many of you uh, plant things in your yard or have a garden. Soil is uh, good, rich soil is actually is 
fun to work with. I mean, get your fingers down in there, it feels good. Um, and so this is what it com it's composed of. Um, large part is inorganic minerals, okay? That would be things like nitrogen and phosphorus and all those other things we just listed. There's a certain amount of organic matter, we usually call this uh, humus. It's decaying vegetable matter, decaying animal matter. It's usually only in the very top layer. Um, there's a fair amount of water, or at least we hope there is, because it's the source of water. And there has to be air. Most soil, unless it's com you know, if it's completely saturated and there's no air in it, most plants will not grow. They will die. Because roots need oxygen. Roots have to do cell respiration to make ATP, just like any other part of, of, of any other organism. And they get that oxygen uh, because there's a lot of ox air down between the soil particles. If you flood it completely and exclude all that air for any period of time, most plants that would be there will die during that time. The roots will die, and then once the roots die, the rest of the plant's going to die. There are plants that are adapted for living in that environment. Usually they have extensions that come up out of the soil up into the air, like, like the, uh, the bald cypress around here. If you, uh, if you see that growing uh, around water, they have around it, there will be little uh, wooden structures coming up. Uh, it's called pneumatophores, and they are there uh, for you to get air, to get oxygen down into its roots, because it's living in a place where there isn't going to be any oxygen in, in the soil. Uh, so the inorganic uh, minerals come basically from rock, ultimately. Um, you know, rock that's been weathered by water, by air, by whatever. Uh, and so the, the actual composition of the inorganic portion will, be, will depend on what the parent rock is in the area that it comes from. So soils differ greatly from one part of the world to another based on what is the basic rock that, is, that contributes these this part to the soil. Uh, if you go to the Smithsonian and DC, they have an area about soils and they have soil profiles <coughs> from all over the country in these clear tubes that you can, you can look and you'll see they're all very different from each other. Okay? Um, and so I guess we'll stop there because it's about time. Uh, we'll pick up with the particle sizes next time. And um, Enjoy your weekend. I guess today is Wednesday already.